As you are turning there and uh, getting ready for our prayer service, let me say too that I am excited as well about our senior adult game night, about our senior adult game night for the slam dunk contest and the arm wrestling contest and all that good stuff that's coming up. Just kidding. We don't want to scare anybody away. Miss Kim's worked very hard <laughs> to put that together. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so those won't be featured, but uh, other games will. Looking forward to it. Time of fellowship. Uh, if you've never been to uh, a prayer service on Wednesday night, almost every time it looks different. And uh, tonight is no different uh, because we're, we're going to focus tonight on personal prayer. Uh, there's been times in the past where we have incorporated everybody to pray together. There's been times when we've had little pockets of, of people to pray together. Um, tonight's about personal prayer, about you and the Lord, and uh, the time that you spend together with a God who makes himself available to you. The Bible says that he bends down to listen to the prayers of those who are his. And so uh, when we think about that, it's a little overwhelming. But our prayer time tonight is going to focus on the individual life. And before we, uh, Dwayne's going to lead us in a, in a song here in just a few minutes. Um, but the first prayer point tonight is, is to pray your praise, to pray your praise. And the book of Psalms has often been thought of as a prayer book. It's a structure of, of the psalmist. And, and David voices communication in the form of songs, but it's often written in, in poetry language. And so we, we often take it for ourselves because it is David crying out to the Lord. It is him talking. It is him expressing himself to the Lord. And so the Hebrew title for Psalm is the Book of Praises. But David didn't always begin every psalm with a praise. Y'all know that? He didn't always start off going, God, you are good. Uh, if you read through that book, I would encourage you to, to do so. Um, like us, he sometimes went straight to questions, like, Lord, what are you doing? And sometimes he went straight to requests. He just asked God for things. And, and honestly, that's, that's what you do in relationship communication. When you have a relationship, a right relationship with someone, you don't have to start off every single time with a greeting or a declaration of how you feel. Uh, a lot of times you just go straight into what you want to talk about. And sometimes we... We don't preach against requests, but we want to dial them back to the point sometimes that we often forget to praise God in our communication with Him. And so, but on the, I would also say to that, if you, if you go straight to the Lord and ask what He's doing, or if you go straight to the Lord and, and ask for something or a request, or uh, it, it's okay, because you'll see that in the Scripture. In Psalm chapter 12, David starts out with, Help, O Lord. How many of you, for the only uh, times of your life, the, the only things that you've been able to pray are, God help me, right? Uh, in Psalm 13, he begins with, O oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? You know, if, if you read the book of Psalms uh, as a prayer book, it can actually make you feel very normal. Uh, the things that you feel in your heart, the way that you pray to God and how you talk to him with, with just you, you kind of undignified communication. This is the way that David prayed. But David, if you notice this, if you've read through the book of Psalms before, David always seemed to be brought back to the truth. It's like he would start out going, God, what are you doing? Why won't you help me? Will you help me? How long will you forget me? And then he always circles back to a consistent acknowledgement or praise. And because he knows who God is. That's why in Psalm chapter 12 that we mentioned a second ago that says, Help, O Lord, in verse 6, he comes back around to, Lord, we know you will protect and preserve. 
And then in Psalm 13, he gets back around again. But I trust your unfailing love. That's a change of direction when you see that word, but. I, tr- I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. You see that? He says, Lord, how long will you forget me? And then he says, I trust your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you've rescued me. David was in need. He was hurting. But do you recognize, church and Christians, that in the book of Psalm, that David never abandons God or, or says, you know what, God, I'm going to seek after these other ones. Never abandons God, never has a thought to go after a false God. He's seen them be defeated. He knows who he's talking to. He knows who he's praying to, that he's praying to the only God. But there are also times when David began, as we said before, that he doesn't always begin with a, a God, you're awesome, this is what I think about you. But there are times that he does. Psalm chapter 18, if you'll turn to Psalm chapter 18, if you look there, for example, just at the beginning, as a part of this book of praise, as a part of this prayer book, in Psalm chapter 18, David says, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock. He is my fortress and my Savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. This is not a Christian leader that is leading his people to pray. This is not him saying the blessing, right? This is a, a man of God that is affirming his devotion to God. He's not leading off with questions. He's not leading off with requests. Again, he's not leading people to pray. He is simply affirming his devotion to God. A personal, this is what I think of you. This is what I know to be true. And he says, I love you. You are my strength. This includes personal pronouns. It includes possessive adjectives. That's right. I looked it up. I Googled it. That's correct. And, and those are included in these few verses. And, and so this is, this is not... A, a soldier to superior officer kind of language. This is not like I'm supposed to say these things because you've commanded it. No, this is a, a child to a parent. He loves the Lord. I love it when, when my daughter sometimes will just go, Hey, Daddy, love you. I love that. Like, seriously, it, it, it makes my day. And the older they get, I'm like, Don't stop doing that. You know, like, please. And I ask for it. But no, um, I mean, Seriously, it, it will make your day because it's not a, I remember uh, Brother Dusty talking about this. It's not a request for a, a $20 bill. It's, it's not a, a, a question of why can't you do one thing. It, it's just a declaration of I love you and this is what I think about you. This is what I feel for you. And so praise needs to be a part of our, our personal prayer. How, how often do we just start off with requests or questions or even complaints, but God was, was pursuing the devotion of his people. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, he says to, to them, he says, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. Not obey. You must adhere to the principles. You must love the Lord your God. That's a relationship outcome. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your strength. And, and declarations were not to uh, the, the people of Israel. This was directly to the Lord. He was not speaking on behalf of the nation. He was speaking to God as his Savior and his King. You know, I can tell others about my wife and uh, my kids about what they mean to me. If we're honest, sometimes we're better at telling other people what we think about our loved ones than we are at telling our loved ones ourselves, aren't we? Oh, I love her. She's the best, and she's awesome. 
And let me tell you five reasons why, and then we have a difficult time actually saying that to her face. Or, or, or we, would, we would tell someone about how the affection we have for a person that we're close to, maybe even a child. We would brag on them, but when it comes to face-to-face, it's like we have a, a difficult time. This reminds me of a scene from a popular TV show that features a boss saying to one employee about another who just walked away, I would never say this to her face, but she's a wonderful person and a gifted artist. To which the employee replied, why wouldn't you say it to her face? Don't you see the point in that? Why would we not, why would we not say that to the Lord's face? When we ask the question of, no, if it wasn't for the Lord, we'd be sunk, or you know, we, we, we sing praises, or we journal in our Bible, why would we not say it to him? When, when the blood of Jesus has... has cleansed us from all unrighteousness, and we have an audience with God. We have confidence that when we go before the Father, He hears and listens to our prayer. Don't you think it's appropriate, church, that we pray with praises? We just declare our devotion to Him before we ever ask a thing. So tonight, we're going to begin that way. As uh, Dwayne's going to play over us, and before we sing together in worship, and Dwayne will lead us to do that. He'll ask us all to stand and, and sing in worship in just a moment. But before we do that, this is a prayer service. So what we want to do is, is while the music is playing, in Psalm chapter 18, it says, he says, I love you, Lord. You are my. And so for just a few moments, why don't we just fill in the blank on that? Just us and the Lord. I love you, Lord. You are my. And fill in the blank from your heart. And then we'll sing and we'll continue on with the message. Yeah, I'm sorry I got you. I'll sing with the glittering crown on my brow. Did you notice that part? This Sunday we're going to talk about reward, heavenly reward, and uh, what the scripture says. So I hope you'll come back for that. And uh, I'm thankful for Dwayne Stroud. I'm thankful that in my office around lunchtime I can just spring a song on him and say, can you play this one? And he says, yes. That's a a valuable resource, uh, seriously. So Dwayne, I'm saying that face to face. Where are you, right? I'm telling you, I'm telling you that. I appreciate you, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, the second thing about prayer, prayer before the world starts calling your name. I read that this week. That is a good word, isn't it? Listen to this again. Pray before the world starts calling your name. Morning routines don't, don't really have to do with what time you get up, but more of what you do between the time that you wake up and when you leave, or between the time that you wake up and when you arrive at work. Multiple sources would suggest that highly productive people have a morning routine. Think about what your morning routine includes. Uh, morning routines in general often include a, uh, common hygiene practices, hopefully, right? <laughs> uh, morning uh, routines often include a cup of coffee. How many of you are coffee drinkers in here? All right, beware of kidney stones. Um, <laughs> just kidding, I don't even drink coffee. Apparently it's everything that gives you that. Um, Exercise is a morning routine. Anybody in the mo- exercise in the morning? Boy, coffee went way up, exercise went way down, right? But we all have, uh, we all have morning routines, or, or maybe we should. Uh, morning routines often include those things. I remember in college for a, a short time, uh, two very close friends of mine, their morning routine was to wake up early so that they could play Tiger Woods golf on Xbox before they went to uh, college. So, you know, just setting themselves up for success. And... Um, those are fun days. But uh, Forbes.com actually suggests that if you leave yourself to chance, you'll likely get sidetracked by distractions, other people's priorities, and find yourself consumed with stress. 
And then it says, a morning routine will help. That's pretty true, isn't it? And while that's, that's helpful, I would suggest to you that before we can influence others, before we can exert influence to others or make a difference in the world for the things that we value or what we believe, the morning routine of a Christian should include intentional quiet moments before the Lord and with the Lord as the day begins. Uh, we shared this with the staff uh, just the other day. It's, it's the old uh, adage of, would you put your football pads on after the game, right? It, it's, it's girding yourself with, with prayer and approaching the Lord and our authority b- before the day begins. And, and this has helped me before, maybe it'll help you. But when you're approaching the Lord with prayer in the morning, you need a still mind and an alert body. Still mind, alert body. That's before the phone that's before conversations with others. Uh, and this can look like a, a bunch of different ways. I've had people before say the things that, well, I, I just don't know if I believe in praying and driving. Well, as long as you keep your eyes open, I don't see what the problem is. Um, it's a good place to start. I'll just say that. Or, or praying and walking. Uh, praying in different places where, again, your mind is alert, but your body is, or your body's alert, but your mind is quiet. Now, those are places to start with. And then we grow towards being still. We grow towards being on our knees. But as a leader of a church, I'd just rather have you praying as not. We're just talking to the Lord. And that quiet, intentional moment. And again, when we think about these quiet moments of being very intentional in the morning, that, that's not mandatory. We understand that, right? That's not mandatory. It's elective. But it's absolutely biblical principle to pray before the day. To pray before you get started. The Lord had Moses get up early in the morning on a few occasions to prepare to do the Lord's bidding. That's in multiple places in Exodus. Gideon got up early to engage with God as God was preparing him to lead in battle. That's in Judges chapter 6, verse 38. Samuel's parents, before Samuel was born, before he was dedicated, the Bible says that his parents rose early in the morning to worship the Lord before all of that took place. You get the point. And when you start really studying that, you're going to realize that there are a lot of morning people in the Bible. And the Lord doesn't sleep. So really, he, it's, it's almost as if God is ready as soon as you open your eyes to, to engage with you. Not to mention the, the greatest example, which is our King and our Savior. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it tells us that before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went to an isolated place to pray. Now, I knew that before... I knew that before I wanted to include this, that Jesus himself, to show us the dependence upon the Father, gets up early before the day, and he goes to an isolated place, right? Alert, alert body, quiet mind, and he puts his cares before the Lord. I'm, I'm, and the reason, I've always, or I've known that for a long time. What I study today is what actually happened during the day. Like, what happened after that? What, what was so important and pressing that, Jesus goes away by himself very early in the morning, and he, he depends upon the Father. The Scripture goes on to say that he was preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Full schedule. Like, important stuff. And I, I've realized this in my own life. when Sometimes we, we think, what do we need to do so that our life matters and counts before God? Like, I don't preach in the synagogues, and I don't cast out demons. And I would not... I'm saying that for all of us. I, I would not discount the fact that God could use whatever your gifting is to, to, to make a difference and to do things way over and above, as the Scripture says, than what we might ask or think. I'm not discounting that, but sometimes we're like, I don't think that what I do makes a difference. Can I tell you this? This is what I believe the Lord taught me. 
whenever you're around people, you've got gospel purpose. Whenever you're around people, there's ministry purpose there. Whether it be you teach kids, or you care for senior adults, or you're in your home with your family, or you work a job, a secular job, or maybe you work a job in the private sector, whatever it is, whenever you are around people, there is purpose, and God can use you for his glory and for the others good, for the good of man. And, and so when we look at that, when we think about, well, am I around people? Just by a show of hands, how many of you today are around or have been around people? Well, you got to raise them right now, right? Because you are here, and you are around people, and even at church, God can use you to make a godly difference. Brother Eric and I were talking about this uh, through a text message. I was actually talking about this with one of our deacons. But what if you are the person, and, and this was actually the thought that Brother Eric had that confirmed last night in a conversation. What if you're the person that, that someone is praying for someone to get in the way of someone that they love? Does that make sense? What, what if, what if you, you are the person that God is ready to equip and send before a lost person? Or, or maybe a, a mama at home is praying for her baby, and she's out there, she wants him to be saved or wants him to be encouraged. God, would you send somebody or would you put somebody in his path? I wonder if that would be us. I wonder if God would move on our heart. And if he does, if we would accept that movement and be the person to encourage. But again... We have a better chance of thinking of those things in biblical perspective if we start the day with the Lord. Pray before the world starts calling your name, was what a devotion said. And David in Psalm chapter 5, verse 3, here we are again in Psalm, Psalm 5, if you'll turn there, or you can turn to Psalm 143 if you're closer. But Psalm chapter 5, verse 3 says, Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. He also said in Psalm chapter 143, verse 8, and, and if again, if we're thinking about highly productive people, we're speaking of a king here. This is a king over God's people. That's kind of a pressure-packed deal. He says in Psalm chapter 143, verse 8, Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning, for I am trusting in you. I love this part. I love the way the New Living Translation puts it. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. I would encourage you that for the next five mornings, that would be the prayer of our church. Lord, show me where to walk. Just to pray that simply and seriously. Lord, show me where to walk. When you read the Psalms, David didn't always focus prayer in the morning. It was not always about getting up. And again, it's not mandatory. It's an elective. It wasn't always about praying in the morning. In Psalm chapter 63, verse 6, he says, I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. But meeting with the Lord in the morning at the beginning of whatever a regular day brings, it's, you understand it's preventative prayer. It, it is it's prayer before the day. It's not reactionary prayer. It's not responsive prayer. It's praying, Lord, would you guard my mouth, guide my mind, instead of going, Lord, forgive me, that guy cut me off and I yelled at him. Right? It, 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 again, it's, it's, it's using the resources that God has given to reflect his glory in the world. I typed this down and then I took it out. I'm, I'm going to just share this with you. Uh, man, when it, when, it come, when it comes to sports, I have to really guard myself because before I'm, I'm competitive and I used to be more competitive than I am now because as I've gotten older, I'm like, it's just really not that big a deal. Like, it's, really, it's really not. But there have been times before in games that didn't count for anything, anything of value for anything. I learned, hopefully, that God, that God has taught me 
that when I, before I get out of my vehicle with my equipment to go up there, I begin to seriously play, Lord, keep me from making a fool of myself and guard my mind and my mouth. Instead of going, Lord, forgive me for kicking dirt on that dude. That was crazy. I shouldn't have done it. Now having to go back to somebody else. That's preventative prayer. And that, that, that's the morning prayer that God is, is speaking to where it says, Lord, just show me where to walk. Show me how to walk. God, listen to my voice in the morning. I bring you my request. Let me hear of your unfailing love. I'm trusting in you. Declarations, requests, questions, all these things are taught to us from the Scripture before we actually get to the world and to the text messages and to the emails and to the conversations. I often have to pray this when studying for a sermon. I'm, I'm serious as I can be about this. I'll sit down sometimes before the week gets started, and I know that I've got to prepare. I open the Bible. I'm reading my Bible. I'm typing things in. There are things that come to mind. And, and every time this happens, when I don't factor God in, it's like I take a few steps and just, just like that, just nothing. And I realize very quickly, I haven't even sought the Lord for what he's called me to do. And I will very briefly and quickly, but I, I trust sincerely, pray, Lord, what do you want me to say? And it's like as soon as I just pray a simple prayer of faith asking God to do his work, it's like the Lord will just take it from there. Man, it's, it's, it's actually a strategy. If I were at a conference and people were like, I just have writer's block, then I would almost, and I would say, in my opinion, you're not praying because that's what it is for me. You're not, ta- you're not talking to the Lord about what God would have you to say and where he would have you to go. So pray before, preventative prayers. Third, pray our praises. Pray before the Lord, or pray before the world calls your name and pray your passions and your prisons. I heard a pastor say that one time that we, we preach both our passions and our prisons. And I believe we should pray both of those things. Both of our passions and our prisons. Your passions are what? Your passions are what has your heart. Your passions are what has your time, your attention, your investment. Your passions are what has your calling. And we ask the familiar to ourselves tonight is, is what is important to us important to God? Remember we asked that question a while ago? Is what is important to you important to God? Or the, the things that are important to you are your passions. Are, are we praying for what we're passionate about? I wonder if we asked that question and you wrote down three or four different things if we said, I'm passionate about my family. Or I'm passionate about what God's called me to do. I'm passionate about my job. Passionate about whatever it is in your mind right now. I'm really asking the question, and not for back and forth or to give testimony to this, but like, are we seriously praying for the things that we are fired up about? The things that get us moving, that we really like and love, are we praying about those things? And then that follow-up question is, is what's important to us actually important to God? Because I'll just tell you, I'm super fired up about football season. But I don't know where that ranks, you know, in my, in my prayer life or where it should. The people should, absolutely. The way that we handle ourselves and conduct ourselves, I know we're all looking at each other like, please don't talk about football. It makes us awkward and we're excited. Not trying to do that. Not trying to like, but, but again, we need to really evaluate in ourselves for the church about the things that we are passionate about and if those things matter to God. But a lot of times they absolutely do. David was passionate in his in, in, in his writing. He was passionate in his prayer time. In Psalm chapter 28, the Bible says, that he says, save your people, exclamation point. Bless Israel, your, spe- your special possession. Lead them like a shepherd and carry them in your arms forever. Psalm 122, verse 6. 
Pray for peace in Jerusalem. May all who love this city prosper. In verse 9, for the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek what is best for you, O Jerusalem. What was David passionate about? He was passionate about Israel. Passionate about the kingdom of God. Passionate about the people of God that were raised up, called out to be a blessing to the entire world. He was passionate about it. He was the king of those people, right? He, he was an imperfect king, and from him would come the Messiah, but he, he was passionate about what God had given him to be a steward of, to be an influence over. It, it's preservation. It's victory. He would praise God for when God gave him victory, when he gave his people victory over a people group, or, and, and he would... It, with all of his passion, it would fill his prayers. And so when you think about what's important to you that's important to God, if you say that you are passionate about it, are you talking to the Lord? If you're not, it's either you're truly not passionate about it or it really doesn't matter to God. Take those things in. He was certainly passionate about Israel. And then the scripture says in the book of Psalm that David was passionate about the favor of God and the joy of his presence. Now I'm just going to tell you all, this one convicted me to the hills. Not only was he he's giving God glory and asking for victory and giving success, and every day here at Lindsay Lane for the staff, every time we get together, more than likely we're going to pray these prayers. God uses for the glory of God and the good of man, and that's a part of our DNA. But I often pray, God, would you give us wisdom for today and vision for the future? Wisdom for today and vision for the future. We pray that repetitively, and, and we mean it. But when I read this and read the, the psalm, just turn there with me, and, and conviction is better as a shared experience, I've often heard, right? Psalm chapter 27, verse 4, David says, The one thing I ask the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. This is not about him asking God if God would give him superior wisdom as the king over his people. It's not, a, it's not even a prayer for his family. What he's passionate for, and he says, the thing I seek most is delighting in your presence. I'm just telling you, growth moment for me. Do, do you want to be in the presence of God or do you want to just preach? Do you want to be in the presence of God and, and seek the presence of God and, and meditate in his presence? Or, or do you just want to have a title by your name? Or do you just want to hang out with your family and friends? Because again, he is saying, the one thing I ask the Lord, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now, you can imagine the pressure of being a king. Can, I mean, seriously, take that in for just a second. This is a king over not just a country. This is a king of God's chosen people. Can you imagine the pressure to win? Can you imagine the pressure of, of being an upright king before God and before people and everything that you do? Above board, this has got to be a very intense pressure that he was facing. And so it likely drove him to his knees very often, which is why he said, the thing I seek the most is just to meditate in your temple. Now, where he was a lot of times was, was not in the temple because it wasn't built. It, the God's presence was in a tent. And it was, he would love to have been in Jerusalem, have a temple set up and just stay there and everything on the outside be okay. But the thing that he sought most was to be in the presence of God. Now, this is interesting. In the ancient Near East, when a visitor entered the host tent, when a visitor entered the host tent in the ancient Near East, the host was personally responsible for protection and provision. 
if you are visiting me in the ancient Near East and you come into my tent, if a band of raiders comes against us, it is not your responsibility to protect me. It is my responsibility to protect you. And so the longing of his heart was to be in the presence and protection and provision of Almighty God, trusting that he would be the only one that can make everything all right and take down those who were after him. That was the desire of his heart. His prayer life was filled with that. But don't miss this. Those desires lined up with the will of God. Is it not the will of God that we would be right in his presence? Is it not the will of God that we would depend upon him for everything? Is it not the will of God that we would care about his people and his purpose moving forward through his people? Those things that he cared most about in his prayer life, those are also the things that God cared about. Every time we have a prayer service, I mention 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. And we are confident he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. The thought I had today with that is I wonder if we ever pray about things that we know doesn't please him or he really, in the grand scheme of things, is not super interested in it. And it's almost like us when our kids bring us something that we've told them before. Don't bring that to me. And then they come tattling again and we're like, I don't hear that. I don't want to hear that. Like, does God... Because again, think about the scripture. And we are confident he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. So this is not to, to cause doubt in our life, to cause us to question every time that we pray. But this is certainly why Jesus set the example for us to pray, but not my will, but thine be done. God, I'm not asking you to do everything that I want. Everything that I want is subject to your will. Psalm chapter 51 also shows us that he not only prayed his passions but he prayed his prisons now what are your prisons our prisons are the things that we want to avoid we want to avoid dealing with those things we don't even want to think about those things it's the things that hold us down it's the thing that holds us back it's the thing that chains us away from being all that we could be for the glory of god these are part of the cares that we should cast upon the lord because he cares for us now whatever it is that are your prisons Hear that part again. Cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. A lot of time with our prisons, we don't want to bring it up even to the Lord. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to talk about it how we don't have enough faith and we should. We don't want to talk about the temptations that we're likely to get into, and sometimes, if we're honest, we'd rather go towards those temptations than away from them. And we know if we'll pray, God's going to steer us away. Like Those are the things that, that trip us up. Those are our prisons. Psalm 51 is the admission of guilt. David and Bathsheba, adultery committed. This is the admission of guilt. This is the prison. This is a call for forgiveness. It's a recognition of rebellion. The king of the people to which God gave his law broke the standard of God. The very king broke the standard over his people. And so he asked for purity in Psalm 51. He asked for God to restore his joy. And then he prays, Lord, create within me a clean and a new heart. Now I'm just going to go and raise my hand up with that one. I have prayed that multiple times, many times in my life. Lord, Lord, create with me a clean and a new heart and renew within me a right spirit, right purpose. Christian, when you sin, you must deal with it before the Lord. You must deal with it before the Lord. When a Christian sins, we are tempted just like everyone else to, to ignore it or don't want to deal with it. We're, we're tempted to distance ourselves from it, not talk about it. But the tug of the Holy Spirit is not to condemn you. The tug of the Holy Spirit is to draw you to a place of confession so that you restore fellowship with God. So that you will once again be joyful in his presence 
and you won't come in hoping to leave early and the pastor doesn't say anything convicting because I've been there too. I've, I've come into services before going, I know God's going to wear me out. Let's just see how it goes. Every time, God is going to draw me closer to his standard. When there is an offense in a relationship, I don't know, I don't know about y'all, but uh, if you have a, uh, something that goes on in your uh, family, something that goes on in your marriage, or maybe it's something at work, you've offended someone or they've offended you, I mean, the first thing that everybody wants to do is sit down and talk about it, right? Everybody's looking forward to that. Uh, I remember on, on Shark Tank one time, there was a, uh, an item that was for purchase, and they were trying to sell it, and it was, uh, it was nothing but an elephant in a glass case. Did y'all see that? I don't know. Anybody? I'm the only one who watched that. There's, there's an elephant in the glass case, and they set it down. They're like, when you need to have a conversation with somebody, you set this down because that stands for the elephant in the room. Yeah, it wasn't good, and they didn't buy it. <laughs> but, I mean... Do we think that's going to work? Okay, when we set this down, nobody wants to have those conversations. I'm just here to tell you, it's the same temptation with the Lord. Like, you're going to have to agree with God that what you've done, according to the Scripture, is wrong. You're going to have to ask God to, to get in, in your way so that you don't trip and fall. You're going to have to deal with God when you have absolutely blown it, and you know that He's holy, and the feeling of sin always separates and separates from fellowship. And so this is the scripture that shows us we have to pray the prisons. We, we have to confess our guilt. And we have to ask the Lord to create with us a, a clean and a new heart. And that scripture in Psalm chapter 51 is not there to condemn us. It's there to, available for us to show us that even King David had to go to God. And thank God for his gift of mercy and grace. That his mercies are new every morning. As the scripture says, thank God for that, to show us that this is how you deal with it. You confess sin and you forsake it. And when mentioning the prisons of people, I'd also think we need to mention this one. You can't read the book of Psalms and read David's writings and not understand that he had anxiety. He cast anxiety before the Lord. It's all throughout. Psalm chapter 55, verses 4 and 5 this is what he said. He said, my heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me. I can't stop shaking. Now, some of you in here may go like, well, that seems extreme. Some people face that every single day. They think that about one thing or another every single day, whether it be rational or irrational. Psalm chapter 6, verse 3 says, I am sick at heart. How long, O Lord, until you restore me? I'm, I'm this is, this is a way that I feel. This is my sickness. Oh, Lord, bring me back. So if you read the scripture there in Psalm chapter 6, verse 3, I truly believe in principle the scripture teaches don't keep that in. Send it up. Don't just hold it in and don't talk to anybody about it. Send it up and, and pray as a way of dealing with things as you are casting your cares to who? The wonderful counselor is what the Bible says. But I would suggest to you that you need to have a two-sided conversation. Often in our, in our anxiety, often in the times when we worry the most, we are telling God we're so scared, we're so fearful. We are praying the first half of Psalm 55. We are praying verses 4 and 5 only. My heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me. I can't stop shaking. But it's a two-way conversation. Often the only part of the conversation that's happening is us telling God how scared we are. We don't get to the part in Psalm 55 verse 22 where he comes around and says, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. 
He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. See, in our anxiety, we're often just looking for something in the Scripture that identifies to how we feel, and yet we don't even keep reading to see what God says, even to the conclusion that David had. And don't just identify with the feeling of being sick at heart or feeling of being overwhelmed. I would, please let me, I, I think we need to talk about this, but I definitely want to be very clear. I would never presume to treat an anxiety disorder uh, from this platform. And, and I would never uh, claim to be a doctor of any kind, of no kind. But, but in just a short study, and me studying this a little bit about just short-term anxiety, the things that get on us and it's hard to shake and it may go away, just, just in a short study from, from credible um, professionals, I read one article that said, this is how you treat short-term anxiety. Now, these are medical professionals. Listen to this. You should do a reality check by asking questions like, do I have good reasons for thinking something will go wrong? And or reminding yourself that you are safe. I want want you to take this in again. Questions like, do I have good reasons for thinking something will go wrong? Or reminding yourself that you are safe. In other words, part of the relief advice that you get from medical professionals is this. Tell yourself the truth. Tell yourself the truth. Do we or do we not believe this is God's truth? The practical application that I'm just giving you today, I'm not telling you this solves the world's problems. What I am telling you is that the king of God's very people cried out in faith, and when he did, he arrived at the perspective of the truth that God takes care of his people. And that's that's all I'm saying. I really am just saying that. God's word is truth. And and don't just pray the prayers of verses 4 and 5. Those are the prison prayers. Pray the faith prayers of verse 22. And another part of that advice that I read from medical professionals said this. Share your, ang- listen, share your anxiety with someone you trust. With someone that you trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. If we trust him, we'll talk to him. We'll entrust it to him. We'll leave it with him. And the second we, how, how, how often should we do that? Every moment that you doubt. Every moment that you worry. Another part of the advice, again, talk with someone that you trust. Not telling you to just pray like this and you'll be fine. I am telling you, pray because he loves you. Pray because if you are right with God and a child of God, he's listening. And pray the word of God because the word of God is it's strong enough for our salvation. Y'all, if God's word is strong enough for our salvation, is it not strong enough to do anything else? That's the faith part now. Finally, I would encourage you to pray believing God's word. This means pray the word and believe it when you pray it. Pray the word and believe it when you pray it. David knows the one true God because he sought not the God he created in his mind, but the God that is revealed. I'm going to read that one more time. David knows the one true God and how to talk to him and how to trust in him because he sought not the God he created in his mind or the gods that were created in culture, but the God that is revealed. Well, how was God revealed to David? David had the Pentateuch. He, he had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. First five books of the Bible. He had that. And so, 
Not only did he have general revelation, but he had special revelation, and we talked about this in our staff this week. I think of anything that I learned, seminary training or in theological study or whatever, the thing I've talked about most is the difference between general revelation and special or specific revelation. And you need to know what that is. L- look in Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19, verses 1 through 4. David said, the, the heavens proclaim the glory of God, and the skies display his craftsman, craftsmanship. And day after day they continue to speak, and night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or word, their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth, and their words to all the world. That's general revelation. When you look again, we've mentioned this many times, when you look at a sunset or when you look at a, a, a little child being born or when you look in the, at the ocean and it stops at a certain point and you figure out all these things, that's general revelation. Same as our conscience. Our conscience is general revelation. That's why we know as a, even a society that it is wrong to kill someone. We know that. How do we know that? It's written on our hearts. It's written in the conscience of man. And that's general revelation. That's, that's how we know that there is a God and that there is a standard. But that revelation is only good enough for judgment. It's only good enough to know that a God exists and that there is a standard. Special, specific revelation is how God reveals himself enough for relationship and forgiveness and salvation. And the way that we have special revelation is through the person of Jesus Christ and the word of God. If you want to know who God is, read the Bible. If you want to live a godly life, follow Jesus. We have the account. He is the living God. We can pray and talk to him. That is special revelation. David said on the first half, if you read that, he was like, the heavens proclaim. There's no excuses, the Bible says. You should look at creation and know that there is an intelligent design, that there is divinity and that there is order, and that there is structure. But then if you skip down to verse 7, he moves away from general revelation, which is important. But he moves down to verse 7, and he says, The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are clear, giving insight for the living. He He has the revealed word of God. He has seen that the instructions of God are pure and perfect. He also knew that there was a system of sacrifice created for forgiveness of sins. That's a huge deal. God would allow us to be forgiven. He would make a way through the system of sacrifice to forgive us of our sins. Well, how do you know? Because it's written down, and eventually it was all fulfilled through his son Jesus. This is the specific revelation of God because often we are tempted to believe the God that we make up in our own mind. Or we believe the God that is only that we believe is existing in creation. That this must be who he is because of what we've seen. Trust the word of God and the person of Jesus. That is special revelation. How in the world did David know that that God would give him victory? How did he know that? How would he ask God for victory going, I believe he's going to give us victory as the people of God and take care of us? Well, in Exodus, God delivered his people from Pharaoh. How did did David know that, that, that God would deliver him from the hands of his enemies? Well, didn't Joseph go from the prison to the palace? He would have known that. 
How would, how would he know that he could have been forgiven? Did God not institute a system of sacrifice? These are the things that he read knowing that the law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul, the commandments of the Lord. All these things. David trusted the truth, and the truth was revealed to him by the written word of God. Christians, in your personal prayer life, as I take this from my own and a lesson that I've learned recently through the things that I've been through, pray God's word so that you know you are praying the word of God and trust the truth. Trust the truth. Just, just to be quite honest with you, when you go through a, a series of hard times or you go through a short spell or whatever it is, if it's a, a long-lasting thing, if it's a short-term thing, God will often allow us to, to come to our knees to look up. And, and I told our staff this week, I, it was like I was reminded of when I first started seeking the Lord when I was a teenager. I started reading the Bible like that within the month of July. And one of the things I read in Psalm chapter 21, 21 verse 4, He asked you, this is a Psalm of David, let's read through this, how, how the king rejoices in your strength, O Lord, how he shouts with joy because you give him victory, for you have given him his heart's desire. You have withheld nothing he requested. You welcomed him back with success and prosperity. You placed a crown of finest gold on his head. He asked you to preserve his life, and you granted his request. The days of his life stretch on forever. Now, this is what I knew. In a, in a short stint of suffering, it's up to the Lord whether he'd take pain away or not. It's up to the Lord where he would... Uh, Give me more days to serve or not. That's up to the Lord. But what I saw here is that he asked God to do it, and he granted his request, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to pray to the Lord just like that. Now, if you've ever been through something hard in your life, and you've been through a tragedy in your life where it did not work out like you wanted, and we've been through some of those things in my family too, and I, there was a time in my life, I've shared with you, a time in my life where I felt my, like I just could not pray. Lord, you're just going to do whatever you're going to do anyways. That was very faithless of me and immature. And the more I kept reading his word, the more I discovered that his word, as the Bible says about his own will, is pleasing and perfect. That God keeps all of his promises, eternal promises. So my conclusion is I see faith in the scripture. I see prayers, the dependence of faith. God has created me. He's made a way for me to be saved. If I'm going to trust him to bust heaven wide open, I'm going to trust him with my ailment. I'm going to trust him with my difficulties. I'm going to trust him with my circumstances. I'm going to trust him with the things he's called me to that are difficult. Because I see it in Scripture. Pray the Word of God and know the Word of God so that we are not pulling out one verse of Scripture and going, well, it says this. Yes, but it also says 50 other things. you got to know it. you got to study it. This is why we proclaim to you, get in a group. Seek out, ask questions from people that you trust, authors that you trust. The best commentary on the Word of God is what? The Word of God. If you want to know what it means, keep reading. You'll see things come up again that balance it all out for you. Amen? So this is what we're going to do. Dwayne's coming, and he's already up there. Thank you, Dwayne. Dwayne is going to play a song that's very relevant to this piece that we just talked about, about praying the Word of God. And we're going to sing it so that you'll take it with you. And so, again, he's going to pray over time. He's going to give us an opportunity to pray, either pray our praises. Just go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes. Just as in a time of response, we're going to have just the time to pray our, our praises, to pray our prisons, to pray our passions. Late in the day, but we would dedicate our prayers to pray before whatever we leave here, whatever we do. Some people may be leaving here going to work. 
Maybe you're leaving here and going home. You've got to have a conversation. Something's coming up. You need to pray before you get there. But also, pray the Word of God. And if you think to yourself, I need to know it. Amen. So saturate yourself with God's Word. Lord, we thank you for tonight as we spend time in personal prayer. I pray for all of us, beginning with me, O oh Lord, that we would exercise faith. Lord, there are things that we do not understand. There are things that we battle. We don't realize why there has been no, or we don't, we don't realize why there's been no victory yet, or maybe we need a new perspective about what victory looks like. Lord, I pray that we would trust you and your power and your might and your revelation over and above anything. I thank you, O oh God, for your keeping power. I thank you, Lord, for the promise of the Holy Spirit that guides us into all truth. Lord, that you don't quit on us. Lord, when we are frustrated, we're worried, we're, we're doubting, Lord, that you, you draw us back to you instead of kicking us out. So, Lord, as we spend just a few moments in our time of personal prayer, God, I pray that we reflect on these things, the principles of your word, in Jesus' name.